0: Hello, hello, everybody. Chad Inman here. Looking forward to spending this time with you today. To follow up with yesterday's teaching from Judges chapter 6, we will be exploring a portion of Gideon's story found in Judges chapter 7. But before we get into the story, a little context is in order, a little bit of a reminder. So the book of Judges is a collection of stories about the nation of Israel after they have reached the Promised Land. There is a reoccurring plot in the collection of stories found in this book. The author of Judges lays out a summary of this reoccurring theme in chapter 2. Now, as you might recall, Tomps, rather, read it two Sundays ago, uh, so I won't read it again, but the pattern basically reads this. God's people turn to idols. Life gets sucky. God sends a judge to save his people. Rinse and repeat, right? So we go into the same problem all over again. So Gideon is one of these judges that God appoints. In the story, Israel is currently under the tyrannical rule of the Midianites because of their idolatry, their unfaithfulness towards God. Yesterday, Dur shared more about that and how God called Gideon. And today we will explore God's plan to rescue Israel. Uh, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 7. So let's go ahead and get into it. So Jerobabal, or Jerob Baal, that is, Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord said to Midian, There is still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon with these 300 men I will rescue you and give you victory over the many Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. So at this point we're going to skip ahead nine verses to verse 17. Uh, but in the portion we are skipping really briefly, Uh, What goes on here is God shows Gideon some things uh, in order to reassure him. And so continuing on with verse 17. Then he, that is Gideon, said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp, and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew their ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed, Around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the three hundred Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beshita, near Zerah and to the border of Ab- Abel Maula near Tabith. Okay, so a kind of a quick retelling. Gideon rounds up a sizable army, 32,000 men. And God says, that's too many. And whittles the group down to a measly group of 300. Let's uh, call them the original 300. For all you movie quote guys, you know what I'm talking about. So then God does what only he can do. God confuses the Midianites and they turn on each other. Through God and God alone, a small band of Israelite warriors are victorious. So as I look at this story, uh, both yesterday's uh, portion in chapter 6 and today in chapter 7 of Judges, and really the whole collection of stories that make up the book of Judges, I am reminded of my life insurance policy. And right now, I wish I could see the confused looks on some of your faces, so allow me to elaborate. You see, I'm a very cautious person. I do not like risk. So, uh, many, many years ago, when my father suggested that I purchase life insurance, life insurance rather plans for both Laura and I, as a newlywed and a brand new father, I jumped right on it. Simply put, I did not have complete faith that Laura and I would live to a ripe old age and be able to provide for ourselves and our children. Insurance plans like these are safety nets. They're contingency plans. And for a uh, cautious worrier like me, they create peace of mind. So what does that have to do with our story? Well, the truth is, the idolatry that we saw yesterday and the grasping for control through the amassing of an army today, these things are, in reality, insurance policies of sort. So, with that in mind, I'll just say it's, it's easy uh, for me, it's easy for us to be kind of armchair quarterbacks, right, and criticize the Israelites in these stories and the other similar stories we find in the book of Judges. The truth is, though, if I'm honest, I am a lot more like this group of people than I really want to admit. You see, I like my contingency plans, even, and maybe even especially, when it comes to God. I, just like the Israelites, don't have complete trust in God to provide. Just as the Israelites thought, yeah, maybe God's in control, but let's gather every capable man. Into the largest army we can muster up to be safe, 32,000 to be exact. Or uh, in prior, to, prior in the story, uh, yesterday, sure, Yahweh is our God. But maybe we should worship the gods of our neighbors too, just to be safe. I think, sure, maybe God is in control. And yes, he wants me to be generous with the things he's blessed me with but maybe I should be a tightwad and hang on to my money and live in a kind of a state of scarcity just to be safe. So when it comes down to it, I am guilty of idolatry myself. I don't want to rely on other... I, I want to, rather. I want to rely on other things besides God, tangible things. I want my safety nets. I want my insurance policy. I want my peace of mind. And what it really amounts to is this. I do not completely trust God. In this story, God makes something abundantly clear. God has no room for contingency plans. God is calling his children to really trust him. This story convicts me of all the things in my life that I have put my faith in, my trust in, rather than God. See, I built an army for myself, too. An army of financial stability, of selfish habits, and truthfully, an army of false idols. Today, I personally feel like God is telling me, Chad, it's about time for you to put your faith in me alone. I want you to send away your armies and to trust fully in me. So what about you? What insurance plans do you have in your life that prevent you from relying on God? What are the armies that you've built? Are you ready to send them on their way and place your hope and trust in a faithful God? Please join me in prayer. Lord, time and time again, you have proven yourself to be faithful. You have provided, you have protected. And yet, time and time again, we forget your faithfulness and we doubt. We confess that we have placed our faith elsewhere, that we have turned to idols. We ask for your forgiveness and we ask that you continually remind us that you alone are worthy of our faith and our devotion. Amen. All right, guys, have an awesome day.